I don't know. You know, I don't remember the first time that I saw snow because I, I'm like I'm originally from up north, so I remember um, snow just always existing. But I do remember the first time that I understood what a blizzard was, and we and that was because we got stuck in it and had to walk home. And we stayed way out in the country, and my dad was trying to like kind of keep the morale up, and him and my mom and my sister all shivering, and I'm running around and playing in these huge high drifts, you know, and. Just having a good old time, and I, I clearly remember that walk home though because it was very cold, very very cold, and it was snowing. Um, well, I said it was a, a blizzard, so I mean it was snowing pretty bad. Yeah, so. very bad. Yeah, <laughs> extremely bad. <laughs> exactly. I'm, it sounds like you were the only one happy. <laughs> I was. <laughs> My sister still remembers that she's four years older than me, and you know I was. I think I was about seven or eight at the time, so, you know, she would have been, you know, a little preteen or teen, early teen, and uh, she was just like, you know, you were just so ridiculously happy, and it was just like, I was so cold, and all she remembers is the snow getting in her boots and just, you know, being cold, and I just remember how fun it was being on this big, long walk with my family, so. I think that just goes with the age difference. Yes, definitely. Because she was getting maturity, and you still were a little girl. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. I, 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 those kind of memories. Yeah, it's like you were saying, like the ocean has always been with us because we're California, we're Southern California kids, so we've always had the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, but snow, that was a big deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or the first time you see a clear sky, a Stars without fog, without smog, without anything, without as much light. Like you're in a, like the first time I saw, I was camping, so there was very little light. Um, it it didn't have smog that night. It was it was like you could reach out and pluck them. That's like a big deal, you know, when you see that for the first time. Yeah, that's. I, I think the, you know, taking the stars for granted, well, I don't think you ever can take the stars for granted, honestly, but, you know, being used to seeing them, like I said, we grew up, I grew up in the country, you know, um, I was kind of split between Colorado and Michigan, so on one half, it was like very urban city environment, and the other half was like, you know, out in the country, so uh, um, it's, it's interesting when I hear people say, you know, the first time I saw the stars, I'm like, I don't remember the first time I saw the stars, but I remember my mother pointing out constellations and me really actually getting them and being able to, like, recognize them on my own, and that was a really big deal, you know. Um, and the first time seeing the Milky Way, like, clearly seeing the Milky Way all the way across the sky and understanding that it was the Milky Way, it was just like, uh, yeah, that was that was a big deal. I like those first. I like those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I actually yeah, starts of always. My my father was a space nut. He loved, you know, and and when I was a little girl, which gives you my age, uh, we were on the way to the moon. Um, <laughs> so my dad, when Alan Shepard, was it Alan Shepard or John Glenn? I always get them mixed up. The one who went around. For the Earth for the first time, I think it was Shepard, and um, he took us uh, outside. He uh, it was the middle of the night when they were coming to, uh, over California, and he took us outside. So we never forget seeing that 
tiny little dot of light, which is a space capsule that we put up there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. It was, a, it, and it's really cool because my parents were both, in, well, my mom was worried about us being cold, but other than that, my parents were very enthused as well as we were enthused, so it was, we were all happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure. You know, it was, it was a first. Yes. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, the um, the Russians hadn't done that yet. They just had been going up and down with uh, animals and people, and uh, I guess the Americans decided to do something different, and they went around the perimeter of the Earth. Yeah, I mean, um, to be alive during the time period that we're in where, you know, space travel is not like, you know, something that we're thinking as uh, a mythology or, you know, science fiction, but it's actually a reality, is, um, it's a huge deal. And even though people kind of uh, don't pay as much attention to it, I'm always fascinated and excited when we're launching something new, mm -hmm. we're trying something new. I'm like, you know, oh, look, you know, I would just, I want to be there. I want to, like, you know, be poised at, um, on my uh, internet camera, you know, or something, like, you know, watching whatever's going to happen. I mean, if there's a, there's a super moon, guess what? We're going to go outside to see it. Oh, there's a lunar eclipse, we're going to go see it. You know, I mean, like, it's, yeah, I, I love uh, space travel period or like the concept of, of what's happening in space and all of the different galaxies and everything else that's out there. That's like the inspiration for so much of the science fiction that's out there. So, I mean, you know, um, I, the time period that we're in is uh, um, it's a privilege it to is. exist. And the now. cool thing is is um, the, the amount of astronomy, what we're learning what we, how far and fast we have been learning about the space around us. I mean, think about it. We went up into space really for the first time in the 60s, and now we've seen a black hole. I mean, right. that's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's definitely, it's a privilege, and it's just, it's, it's such a blessing to, um, you know, I mean, you never know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I hope that I get to, you know, exist for another 50 years and see what they do, you know, five decades from now, because I mean, you know, things are constantly changing and the opportunities that we have to study space is, um, there's always something new that's opening up or some new understanding that is being clarified. And, and I love it. I love it so much. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, and and the thing is, is that a lot of the things that we're learning about and we are actually figuring out about our own solar system, like that all these planets that are in our solar system are are active planets. I mean, for many years they thought that other than the first three planets, and Jupiter and Saturn, uh, mm -hmm. the rest of the planets were cold planets, and they were sort of dead, and there was nothing going on there. And now we know that's about as far from the truth as you can possibly get. And we also right. know how incredibly dynamic Saturn and Jupiter was and how protective. One of the reasons we haven't been smashed to death is because of the protection of uh, Jupiter's big, huge <laughs> bulking, uh, um, uh, what do you call core? <laughs> right, being able to stop things. 
Yeah. Or take the brunt of, of impact anyways. Yeah, I mean, we still have impact. I mean, there's it, there's no way right. to escape. It, it's an exactly. active solar, I mean, it's an active universe. But right. But it is, you know, it is a big giant, and it has been very mean sometimes. But at the same time, it saved us many times. <laughs> right. I mean, like, you know, ever-expanding universe. So you never know what the next day is gonna, going to show you I coming know. out of space. I know. That's why it's cool to write about space now. Because, and it's also cool to look at old stories and see, you know, were these people going right? Oh, these people really had a vision. No, these people weren't going right, but it's a great story. You know, it's a, it's really cool right. to um, to see how science fiction has evolved, and um, but still appreciate you. It's like. You're not going to not appreciate the beauty of a wonderful story just because they were wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you know, there was a different understanding that was um, that existed during that time period, you know, whenever, whatever was written. And, um, you know, you get the opportunity to kind of, you know, see that change in the writing that's out there and look at the way that, hi, Sorry, my seven-year-old just came in here and kind of ran past me with a bag of Cheetos waving them. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yes, uh, no, I don't think that people should be penalized or even criticized uh, for the way the writings that are out there that um, are perhaps incorrect, you know. Um, and, I mean, but you see that in all aspects, not just in, like, writing about space, but uh, especially with fiction writing or even, like, historical writing, you know, the way that we kind of – want to, like, censor some of the language that was used in, uh, like, writing from, I, I don't know, like, what's the one that they were fussing about a couple of years ago that they wanted to pull out of the schools? I think it was Huckleberry Finn. Oh, of, yeah. Of, yeah, or uh, or um, any of the, um, I was going to call him Sam Clemens because that's his real name. Right, Mark Twain. Mark Twain. I sometimes I do that. <laughs> I go to the real name. It's funny, you know what? Samuel Clemens has uh, a series of uh, letters that he sent to his sister that he was just he described Mardi Gras in one of them, and it was just like I would have loved to have seen Mardi Gras from his eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a great it, it's a a great letter to read, and he was trying to describe. Mardi Gras to his sister, and he did this amazing job that he created this wonderland that I just, I don't necessarily see in Mardi Gras now that he saw then. I mean, <laughs> but I think you had to be him to see it the way he saw it. But he was really that way. He he was really imaginative. That I mean, you can tell by his stories. Look at um, the, oh, um, oh my God, the time travel story where, um, the guy uh, uh, gets a hit on the head, and he turns up in uh, um, um, a Yankee in King Arthur's Court. That's it. I couldn't think of the name. Is that okay. sad? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's actually my favorite Mark Twain story, and I blanked out. Uh, <laughs> that's good. actually. I have a copy on my, on my bookshelf. Yes. Yeah, that's my favorite Mark Twain story, and it, I mean, I can see that imagination for Mardi Gras if you read that story you can absolutely see parallels there really i'll have to look at that i'll have to look at that. i think it's, it's been years i think the last time i read a Yankee and king arthur's court i was in my teens 
So it's, it's been some time. The other <laughs> book of his I loved was Letters from Earth. Did you ever read that? I don't think so. It's very controversial, but it's quite cool. It's controversial because it's he wrote a book about Lucifer uh, uh, being thrown out of heaven and um, coming to earth and writing home about how silly humans are about God and, and, and him and everything. He said, you know, I'm not thrown out forever. Dad's going to have me come back. I'm just being punished right now, and these humans think I'm I'm falling forever. Stuff like that. It's really funny. But, I mean, it's very controversial because they're, he's talking about Lucifer. C.S. <laughs> Lewis actually did that with the, uh, the screw tape letters. Um, very uncomfortable read, but at the same time he was writing them from the perspective of um, a fictionalized demon. And it was just like he was very progressive in his approach to uh, – analyzing religion and analyzing like human behavior with religion and um, Christianity and uh, the screw tape letters was kind of like banned for a very long time and you know I, I read the book you know probably 15 years ago and I could understand why people were so upset about it but I also found it interesting from an analytical approach of seeing like you know what C.S. Lewis was saying about uh humanity and about um, the culture of religion and Christianity. So I was, I did, I found it interesting, but yeah, yeah. Well, you know that his daughter wouldn't let it be published for a long, long time because she didn't want people to think badly of her dad. So she actually uh -huh. suppressed it, Letters from Earth. Wow. Yeah. Um, but then um, I think... Uh, I don't remember if, if her grandchildren talked her into it or or the grandchildren released it. But there's actually, in the copy of it I have, is a no, the grandchildren talked her into releasing it. Because there's a letter from her explaining that her father was really very Christian. He was a good man. This is just a, a, a fantasy that he wrote. I mean, it was a letter in the front of the book explaining that her father wasn't, not Christian. It was just, it was sort of heartbreaking to read it because it's fiction, you know, it, it, and, yeah. and it was beautiful. And I'm sure that they're banning it everywhere, but it shouldn't be banned because it's a wonderful book. <laughs> right. I don't think any books necessarily should be banned. I mean, like, some of them, you know, makes a, it, I understand what they're saying, but that concept of banning books and of limiting knowledge of not allowing people to critically think on their own, you know, and see how people react to it is just, I, I think it's unfair, you know, um, because there, there was a lot of stuff that was banned when I was a kid, didn't I, not that I realized it, but I think there's even more so now. And that's what it feels like, is that the banned book list increases every single year and our quest to kind of like, you know, remain not only politically correct, but to also uh, minimize the exposure that our children have to, well, a little bit of everything. <laughs> I, I uh, just, well, first of all, I am totally against banning books. Even books that are, uh, are totally against things I believe in, I don't believe in banning books. Right. Uh, it's just banning books, burning books, that's wrong. I just, it right. is. But um, I, I read 
that this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Charlotte's Web was banned because animals were talking to each other. But Dr. Doolittle wasn't banned when the, the animals were talking to each other and a human. Because they were talking to the human, I guess it was okay, but because they were only talking to each other, that was why it was, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right, right. There's a version of Little Red Riding Hood that was banned from schools because she was bringing her grandmother um, food, but she also had a bottle of wine for her. And because there was a bottle of wine in it, it was banned. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just so, I mean, the reasons they come up with, it's just, it, mind-blowing I and I that when I was a little girl Charlotte's Web was one of my favorite books so when I saw Charlotte's Web you know there was um they had a new list of banned books before the controversy of taking books that will confuse children that they have now <laughs> um, whatever anyway uh it was about four or five years ago and I was looking at and I went Charlotte's Web that was my favorite book when I was a little girl. <laughs> right, right. Now, we liked a couple books, you know, when we were, my dad worked for the school district, and um, he was, a, a, like, I don't know, he, like, basically was, like, one of their people that, like, helped stop things, you know, and the school would throw out books every year. It was a thing that they did. They'd throw out books. And what they would do when they do the books out is they would rip the covers off. And if they rip the covers off, they could, like, you know, I can't remember if they could sell them or they could give them away or whatever it was. My dad would always bring home this box of books that the school district had ripped the covers off. This is in the 80s now. And um, my sister and I had uh, two books. One of them was The Witch of Blackburn Pond, I think it is. And it was actually looking at, like, I think it was Salem Witch Trials. And then we had... Uh, What's the other one? A Cricket in Times Square. And those two were, like, books that we, like, really enjoyed. But at one point, both of them, I, I want to say at least The Witch of Blackburn Pond had been put on this, like, you know, banned list for um, kids because it's, like, looking at, you know, this witch that's been, like, kind of, uh, um, well, you know, persecuted against. Yeah, that's what happened in Salem. Um <laughs> I think it's just crazy. I mean, uh, I uh, first of all, I think anything that's edu that teaches something that you don't know is a good thing. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know. And like I said, I'm not. I, when it's a child reading, you the parents should be involved. Um, like uh, books that were. Not really nice books. Uh, my mom and dad, they never said we couldn't read anything, but they always explained what it was before we read it, so we understood what it is and where it fits into the world. But they never said we couldn't read it. And sometimes after they told us, we chose to read it, and sometimes when, after they told us, we chose not to read it, but it was completely our choice. That's good. Uh, my mom would take us to the library, and we could take as many books home as we could carry. Mm-hmm. Now, mm -hmm. so she, that was her rule. She said, you need to be able to carry your books out of the library. Mm-hmm. So that prevented us from getting too many. And, and also, she made that rule because at one point I had, like, 30 books, 30 library books at the house. And, I mean, because I was a reader. 
<laughs> yeah, but how do you get all those books back on time without getting the penalties? That was the whole thing. <laughs> she was like, you don't need to take home that many. You can't read that many. Right. But they were also interesting. I and know. During the summertime, I totally could read that many. I was like, especially if I was getting, like, kid books mixed in with, like, you know, older books, you know, I uh, I would, like, just lay around and read books all day and uh, go outside and sit under a tree and read my book. So, yeah, I was a, one of those kids. So, you know, I might go do, like, a book, you know, per day or a book every other day. No. But, yeah, it still was dirty was too many. Yeah, 30 is, because you only have two weeks. Right, and she was like, okay, you, as much as you can carry. So I was like, okay. And that ended up usually being around like 10 books or so. You know, it's, some libraries still stick to that two-week thing, but we have three weeks at um at a couple libraries now. Oh, really? Yeah, where you get 21 days. Yeah, we still have two weeks. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people, you know. Right. It's just trying to give everybody a chance to read the books. Exactly. We like audiobooks too and ebooks as well now. My son does a, a mix of, he has his own books, which, you know, I'll say that this kid has, like, you know, well over like five, six hundred books in his room. But all of them, like, except for maybe 30, are, are uh, thrifted books. We go and we thrift shop um, for books. So. I love that. Actually, there's like, I would. I'm one of those weird kids. I would watch an old movie, and if it came from a book, I'd have to find the book. But it's really hard to do now. But back then, you could go to a thrift shop or a used bookstore or a yard sale or a garage sale, and you could get these books because people still had them. Um, But now it's so hard to find them. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's, what I like about going to the thrift store, though, is that you get the opportunity to, like, find books that you didn't even know that you wanted. You know, I mean, it's like, that looks interesting. Pick it up. Oh, this sounds good. And you find, like, you know, some great books, you yeah. know. So, I don't know. It's like I've enjoyed uh, – my kid, he's seven now, but when he was two and three and four, I think it probably stopped maybe last year. I think when he was six it stopped, but – from two to six, when I said let's go to the bookstore, he thought going to the bookstore was going to one of the thrift shops. <laughs> so we'd go in there and just like kind of like dig through um, through books and find the books that he wanted. That's fun. Um, when did you start writing? Were you a kid? Yes, I was definitely a kid. I my like it's not like I was a prodigy or anything, but I started writing at five. Um, and. The first story I wrote was uh, about three puppies, Aww. and my dad like gave me so much praise off of this puppy story that I was like, I like that feeling. I want more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was five. Um, headed into like I was, it was kindergarten, heading into first grade. I I read early and I wrote um, like you know definitely in kid uh, writing, but I wrote early, so you know um, yeah, started writing as a child. It got better. Yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can really relate. I remember um, uh, they used to, I don't know if they do that anymore, but in English class they would write like a couple sentences or a sentence and say, uh, continue this into a story. Um, right. And most kids w- would write a paragraph or a page. I ended up writing a, like a short story. 
You said you ended up writing a short story? I ended up writing a short story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually, I, one I remember was a Greek myth. I don't even remember really what it was about because I don't have it anymore. Got lost in one of our many moves. But, um, but yeah, I remember it, that was one of the one-sentence ones. She wrote one sentence on the board, and I just went off. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, like, I think my first year of um, of college, and I mean, I was at, um, at community college, but my first year, uh, I, had, I took a class that required us to write pictures based off of a word or a sentence or some type of prompt, and they did one that was based off of a picture, and I had the most fun with that picture. I, it was one of the best things that I'd ever written as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You never know. But I, I was a little girl then, but now, I mean, if I would, I would go to town. I'd probably write a novel. <laughs> you should write a novel then. Oh, I have, but just not from that. Right. Not from that kind of a prompt. Yeah, here's two <laughs> sentences. Go. <laughs> right. I mean, but it's fun, though, right? Uh I see those uh, prompts that sometimes go out when there's calls for submissions, and they will have like this whole concept of um, of a, like, well, I don't know. There's um, one I'm, I'm trying to think of the journal right now that's doing it off of the librarian, and you know the librarian like has all of these positive meetings and travels to all these different places, but you know, and it, that's just like it's a very broad prompt, but it's a very limited prompt at the same time. Where it's like you know you have to write about a positive experience with a librarian. And either, you know, your character can be, like, interacting with this librarian or it can be from the librarian's point of view. But at the same time, this librarian goes to all these different dimensions of planets. And I can't remember what, I can't remember what journal is doing it. And I was actually very, uh, I was very interested in it. But regardless, yeah, it's like, you know, so sometimes they, they're, still, they're still out there suggesting things that they want from people. It's funny, because when you said that, I was thought of the TV series and the movies, The Librarian. Oh, you know what? And I haven't actually seen that TV series, but it was based off of a series of books. And I think, well, if it's the one I'm, you, you're saying librarian, there, The Librarians um, has a, a book series, and I read, like, the first two books. I wanted to keep reading it and kind of just dropped and faded off, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's... Um... The only, I think the reason I started watching that was because John Larroquette played the librarian, and um, he was really—I've always liked him. And then it—it uh, it was just a really fun series. But I—I—I I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's from books or what. I just—you know how you get caught into something because you're like, oh look, there's a new show with the John Larroquette. Let's go watch that. You know, it's not like you're thinking, oh. Is this based on a book or a movie or? Exactly. You know, you're waiting at the end, trying to like, you know, um, see if was this based off of something? Did they put it in the from beginning? You know, yes, right? Because because you want more. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm a terrible person about that. I mean, I, I not only do I want to know where the uh, about where the book came from. I want to know everything about the author. I would read, like, all these books if it's a favorite author. I get really hooked. I mean, John, uh, Jane Austen, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, whoever, 
whatever book uh, my uh, from this is from kidhood uh, Mark Twain uh, I would just uh, read everything I could about the author as well as read their stories I mean it's just I want to know more and the only way to know more is to know more about the author because they didn't write more right definitely <laughs> I, I can agree with that uh, That's how I felt about Octavia Butler, you know, um, when I was first, the very first time that I read a book of hers, and she was found out she was a uh, black science fiction author, and it was a woman, I was just like, oh, you know, I want to read everything she's ever written. I want to know everything about her, you know. How did she even get here, you know? So I did that with her and uh, Terry Brooks. I was obsessed with Terry Brooks when I was a child. Uh, from 12 on, my sister bought me one Terry Brooks book, and then I had to have all of his books. I had to know everything about him. I went to his book signings. I was just like, everything was Terry Brooks. You were a groupie. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was. My my daydream when I was age, like, a, like I don't want to say 14, 15, you know, still a kid, you know, uh, was that I wanted to be able to co-write a novel with Terry Brooks because Terry Brooks hadn't co-written a novel with anybody yet, and I, I want to be the first person he co-writes a novel with. And, you know, um, yes, I, I was definitely obsessed. Oh, that's adorable. I love it. Um, and we got to move on to how did you find out about uh, Writers of the Future? And what did you, how excited were you when you found out that you were, like, one of the winners? How did I, well, I found out about Writers of the Future, honestly, from Google. Um, <laughs> Google is very helpful. Yes, I, I was Googling, you know, um, places that I wanted to submit to, and I had, like, you know, my top five, and then I was like, well, I need to add other things to this list, and I stumbled across this contest, and then I get to reading it, and I realized that I read these books when I was younger, and I was like, I remember thinking that, you know, uh, Writers of the Future was all of these like famous authors. I thought this was people that they solicited and I couldn't find their books because, you know, I just like I didn't have access in the way that I needed to to be able to find the books for all of these people that wrote these amazing stories. So, you know, it it was it was so entertaining in a way where I Google tells me, you know, writers of the future can submit there and I come to this like, you know, epiphany moment that those weren't a bunch of famous authors. Those were authors just like you. And so, yeah, um, I decided I was going to submit to them, and I submitted, and I uh, ended up winning on my first uh, submission, and um, which was shocking to me. I was, you know, I don't really have words for how I was. I was very shocked, you know. I know that this is a highly competitive uh, competition, you know, when it comes down to writing and uh, being chosen, and it's an honor, you know, and... There's a lot of imposter, uh, there's a whole lot of imposter syndrome that went in with that, with the, the fact that I had, first of all, even that I was a finalist, when I found out I was a finalist, and then when I received the call that I had actually won, I was just like, wait, 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 me? Are you sure? You know? <laughs> so, yes. And uh, which book are you in? I am in volume 38. And have did you go to the uh, workshops and all that good stuff? I did, I did. I went to the workshop, and that was when I found out that, you know, there are people that submit to this story for, you know, years. I, I met some writers that have been submitting to this, this uh, I mean, to Writers of the Future for years. And uh, 
So also, again, like a huge honor, a lot of imposter syndrome that went in with the concept that, you know, I got chosen on my, like, my first go around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved being there that week. It was a surreal experience, and I don't think that there's going to be anything that can match that or, you know, um, no, there's, I don't think there's anything that can match that. And in like, you know, my, my memory data bank, you know, of, of all of the things that were just like kind of incredible being in Hollywood with, uh, all of these authors and writers and illustrators and all the pomp and circumstance that went with it was just, uh, you know, um, an incredible experience. And like I said, kind of surreal, definitely surreal. <laughs> that's cool though. That's a good, that's a good surreal. Yes. <laughs> Um, and did, when you went into the reveal room, did you guess who your illustrator was right away? Uh, yes. Um, I don't know if you've seen my illustration, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, yes, yes. You, you can kind of recognize my, my characters pretty quickly if you've read the story and the first time you see this picture, I'd actually sent it to my best friend who, uh, had already read the story, uh, you know, and. He's my writing buddy, so he actually got to see the very first version of it versus the very last version of it and all of the versions in between. And when I sent it, he said, is that, is that who I think that is? And I was like, yes. And, you know, we both kind of squeed and, you know, squealed and everything else because, yeah, um, Zane did an amazing job with, uh, with my story. That was my illustrator, I'm sorry. Zane Lodi. Yeah, Zane's a doll. I've, I've interviewed him, and, yeah, he was very excited about the uh, reveal. He was nervous, but he was excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 did he did a great job. He just did. He did so well. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, we're coming to the end. So do you have a website, and what social media are you on? I do have a website. I am actually on Twitter under uh i'm probably gonna say it wrong let me look at it well let me let me first all of all say that my uh website is my name so it's azure az like zebra u r e like edward arthur a r t h e r um and that is uh at, at i mean dot com it's azure arthur dot com and then i have a twitter i have a facebook and i also have um, a, a Instagram under my name. I am not very active on the Instagram. I just I don't know what I'm supposed to post there. <laughs> but I got the page like I was supposed to. <laughs> now I do ch- uh, randomly chat on Twitter and uh, definitely am active with Facebook. So yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and do you have any new stories that are coming out that you want everybody to know about? Not right now, actually. You know, I have uh, two stories that I'm not allowed to announce or talk about right now. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, hopefully I'll be able to post those on my website soon. I mean, uh, this was not my first publication, so my website does have a list of, like, publications that I've done. And, you know, I write I write plays and short stories, and I'm shopping out a novel. But I have two stories that will be coming out over the next year that I am – Fingers crossed about this, you know, but um, they're on hold right now, so there's that, you know, and um, one of them is actually contracted and one of them is on hold, so we'll see what happens. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, anyway, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. Thank you so much. This was a very uh, laid-back interview, so yes, um, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. That's good. Thank you. And thank, 
Oh, <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just saying thank you again. Oh, okay. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.